Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. It is my honor today to present to you our uh, guest speaker today, and he is part, uh, he is not new to Bethesda Church of God. He and his wife, Kathy, served as um, our state bishop for um, six years, wasn't it, here in South Carolina. Prior to that, they served as the uh, state bishop of the North Central region, and then to uh, Missouri, and then they came to South Carolina. These were folks that loved this church. They would come to our Christmas program. Out of all the churches in South Carolina, they would come here to celebrate Christmas with us. And uh, today, he is serving in a new role. He is uh, now in the World Missions Department, serving as a World Missions Rep. And when I found out that he was the a World Missions Rep, I wrote a letter and I said, I want Thomas Gillum to be our rep because I know he loves us and we love him and his dear wife. And so today he is coming to present to us uh, about the ministry of world missions and to share God's word with us. I want you to give he and Sister Kathy Gillum a rousing welcome here today. God bless you. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Wow, it's, uh, it's wonderful to be back in Sumter. And uh, it's even a greater honor to be here at Bethesda with you this morning. Um, Kathy and I have always loved uh, this area. Coming in yesterday, we passed by Concord Baptist Church out on 378. I did a wedding out there 19 years ago in April. And, uh, and I told her, reminded her of that. And, and to think that one day we would be associated with uh, the Bethesda Church of God and be spending time here uh, over the last six years, seven years really, uh, we have been here on numerous occasions for different things. I, I am so impressed with this congregation, first of all. You, you, out of all the churches, and you know I go to different churches and have for years, almost every Sunday, sometimes two and three a week. Out of all the churches that I've been to, I don't know of any that has the cohesiveness of the staff and of the volunteers and as many volunteers as the Bethesda Church of God. It is just absolutely remarkable of how so many people love their church and are willing to come together and work together to make this church what it is. It's, amen. It is no wonder that you have been voted best church in Sumter the last two years in a row with all that you have here and your you know, I'm here to represent world missions, but I can tell you that without home missions, you don't have world missions. And so you have been very involved in home missions. You're involved in your community uh, and far beyond, but certainly in the community and the people of this community have recognized that. And so uh, I just wanna say congratulations to you, congratulations to the staff. 
I love all of your staff. I won't start calling names except that uh, for Julia and Howie, of course, they, uh, Julia uh, being the Sims's daughter, uh, is on the, uh, the state youth, uh, state music board. And uh, she is absolutely one of the best music directors that the Church of God has anywhere. But the, the Owenses, all of them, I mean, you have an incredible staff here. But what I really want to say is this. It, it all begins at the top. It all begins with leadership. And you have leadership at the top. But at the top of the top, you have Al and Jackie Sims. Now, <laughs> Sister Jackie, of course, has served on the women's, uh, South Carolina Women's Board numerous times. And of course, you have hosted here uh, state events and you by far do it with par excellent greater than anybody else in what you do. And again, that's, that's to speak of your first lady and of her team of people that are around her. Your, your pastor served as my chairman when I was a state overseer here in South Carolina. He served as the chairman of the state council. Now, some of you, you're not involved in all the the, the hierarchy of the church, but in South Carolina, just to get elected to the state board is a high honor. To be elected top, meaning that you get the most votes of anyone else, is the highest honor you could give one of the pastors here in the Church of God in the state. He has served on the state council and on pre other boards, but served uh, as chairman. Presently, he has tenured out of that. You can only serve so long, and then you have to come off for a while. Presently, he serves on the church uh, ministries board. That is an elected board here in South Carolina. But I want to say that our denomination has, has also um, saw his great leadership ability. And today he serves on the international board, a very prestigious board of the ministry to the military. And uh, so there is no wonder that this church is known throughout Sumter, the surrounding area, throughout the state of South Carolina, in the nation, recognized and even in the world. And so I think that you have, in my opinion, and Pastor Al Sims and Jackie Sims, they, they, are, they are our dear friends. Kathy and I love them, and they are at the very top of our list of friends in the world. And we love them, and we honor them deeply. But let me just say, you have the best of the best and First Lady Jackie Sims and Pastor Al Sims. Would you mind just honoring them this morning and letting them know that you recognize their great leadership? Thank you. Thank you, amen. It's worthy, they're worthy of that. And it is a, just an honor for me to be here and I am here to talk about world missions. Um, a lot of things motivate us. I don't know. I don't know why I'm telling this. I hadn't planned to do this, and I may have told it years ago when I was here. 
But there are a lot of things that motivate us, and this is one of the most highly motivated churches I have ever seen, and how that you are willing to get involved in what's happening in the community and what's happening in the world and in your local church. I read uh, a book years ago, Raising Children. Kathy and I, we bought a book called How to Raise Positive Kids in a Negative World, written by Zig Ziglar, that Christian motivational speaker. I don't remember much about raising kids, but I remember this story. And he said that uh, there was a rich rancher in Texas that owned a lot of land and oil wells, and that he and his wife had one child, a beautiful daughter, and she had reached the age that she would be thinking about marriage. And so they invited all the eligible men, young men, bachelor men, um, to a barbecue at the ranch house. After they had eaten, they gathered around an Olympic-sized swimming pool, and in the pool had been placed some piranhas, some alligators, some water snakes, and things that you and I would not want to be in the water with. And he said, for the, the first young man that will swim the entire length of this pool, I'll do one of three things for. Said, I will give you a million dollars. I'll write you a check for a million dollars today. If you don't want money, said, my wife and own, uh, own a lot of land. We'll give you 10,000 acres of property. And on that property, there are some oil wells, and you'll be set for the rest of your life. He said, but if you don't want the money and you don't want the land, said, there's one other thing, says, my wife and I have one child, a beautiful daughter, and says, everything your eye can see and for miles beyond, we own. And one day we're going to pass on from this life and she will inherit it all. And if you don't want the money and you don't want the property, we'll give you our daughter's hand in marriage. No sooner had he said that that he heard a big splash in the pool. In a few moments, this young man comes pulling himself up out the other side. His clothes are torn. He's been bitten. He's bleeding. And the rancher can't believe that somebody has accepted the challenge. And so he runs to where the young man's standing. He said, son, says, what do you want? Do you want the million dollars? He said, no, sir, I don't want your money. He said, then do you want the property, the 10,000 acres? He said, no, sir, I don't want your land either. And so the rancher kind of leaned back and smiled and said, you must want to marry our daughter then. He said, no, sir, I don't want to marry your daughter either. said, the only thing I want at this moment is to find the man that pushed me in. <laughs> and so... So what I have learned... Some people to get motivated has got to be pushed in. But this church doesn't have to push too many folks in. You're already there. You just jump in automatically. And I, I, I think it's wonderful what God is doing here in Sumter at Bethesda. Could we all just give God praise for that? Amen. Give him praise this morning. Give him praise. I, uh, I want to talk to you just for a moment before I talk or speak a little bit about missions and then we'll finish up. And I'm going to try to be conscious of our time and have you out at a normal time. One thing, when I became a world missions rep, I said, there are two things I don't want to do. One thing, I don't want to be for eternity speaking because I've had missionaries that did that. 
And the other thing I don't want to do is I don't want to be boring. So I'm going to try to accomplish both of those if I can today. So that you will say, you know what, it has been good to hear about missions. It has been good to be reminded about the world and about missions and our involvement in the world. And so I'm going to do my very best to accomplish that over the next few minutes. But let me just tell you a little bit about Church of God World Missions. Today we are in 185 countries around the world, Church of God World Missions. We went into two countries we had never had a church in, a congregation in, last year in 2018, which made 185. There's 195 countries in the world, and Church of God is in 185 of those countries. We can thank God for that. And what I really want you to see is that you are a part of something that is much larger than just what we are. And I've always wanted to be a part of something bigger than who I am. And so we are part of that. And, and you don't know maybe the history of the Church of God. And this is not about just Church of God. This is about kingdom ministry. But the Church of God started in 1986. There was a handful of, of men that, that was dissatisfied with the way the church was. And they, they began a prayer meeting. And that prayer meeting eventually formed into a little small congregation. I think it was called the the uh, the Holiness Church at Camp Creek. And, and for 10 years they met there and then in 1896, they had this experience of speaking in a language, people speaking in a language they didn't understand. So they went and they researched the scripture and found that in the latter days, God said he would pour out his spirit. And they looked and read the book of Acts and they saw that when the Spirit came that there was manifestation of speaking with other tongues. And, and so they interpreted it that what God has done here among us is that we are now entering a phase in the church uh, history that God is pouring out His Spirit for this end day harvest. And so what happened was that that the church began to grow and, and it went through much persecution and then finally it located to Cleveland, Tennessee out of those uh, little mountain region of North Carolina and it began to grow and grow and grow and grow and it's kept growing. Today we talk about that we have over 7 million members in the church of God. The truth is, from what I understand, that when you, when you add all the people who attend a church of God or are associated with a church of God around the world today, that that number grows to somewhere between 18 and 20 million people. And so from 1886 to just a half a dozen or so men, the church has grown now to some 18 to 20 million people that we are touching somewhere in the world all around this globe every single Sunday and every day of the week. God has indeed blessed the church of God. We're so grateful for that. In world missions today, the the thing that I want you to understand is that we have about, well, really, my understanding, it's a little over 600 missionaries in the world today. And, and to think about that, those are people that have been willing to give up culture and been willing to give up their homeland, their family, and go to a completely foreign land 
and learn the language and plant their feet and live there and minister, many of them, till the day they die. Some even are buried in those countries. That started in, uh, I believe it was 1908 with the R.M. Evans and his wife, our first missionaries, they left and they went from Florida to the Bahamas and that was the beginning of Church of God World Missions. So we have over 600 missionaries. We have uh, somewhere between churches and, and mission works and so on, between 40 and 50,000 congregations today. The Lord has just blessed us beyond anything imaginable. We have 112, uh, I believe it's educational institutions with over 30,000 uh, students. Many of them are men and women that are learning and preparing for ministry itself. We have 100 and... Um, I believe 37 orphanages in the world today that we consider orphanages. And those orphan, orphanages has over 10,000 uh, young children that many of them without any parents or grandparents or anyone that are taken in. Here in the States, you know, we can no longer have a, a real true orphanage. We have home for children. South Carolina has a home for children, by the way. And that is a great ministry. But the orphanages around the world, many of them, they, they are taking care and feeding and clothing and educating children that would not have an opportunity otherwise to be clothed and fed and educated. And we're going to talk about one of those orphanages a little later before we conclude here today. And so I could go on and on and on about what the Lord is doing. And, and Bethesda has bought into this thing of home missions. And I saw the logo. I don't remember exactly what it said. But, but I liked it because it talked about the importance of home missions and the importance of world missions. And there has to be balance in all of that. Across the street is home missions. Around the world globally is world missions. And this church in the last few years, you've always had a heart for your home missions and world missions. But I, I won't say much about it, but let me just say that last year alone, this church, according to our records in Cleveland, Tennessee, including a little bit that comes from the tithe of tithe that supports what I do here, because anything, my salary doesn't come from the giving of the churches, it comes from the administrative end of the tithe of tithe that come in through the churches. But Bethesda last year gave over $80,000 to World Missions. Can somebody give praise to the Lord for that? And of course, that's just a drop in the bucket from compared to what you've done for home missions and all the ministries that take place and go forth from this congregation. And so God has raised you up in this final hour to be a congregation that thinks locally and thinks globally. And because of that, you are going to be blessed beyond anything you can imagine. I think God blesses people who can see the world in a broader way and put seed in the ground. And when you put seed in the ground, God honors that. I, I used to serve in North and South Dakota. Amen. And Montana, and I, I, we had about 30 people out in Aberdeen, South Dakota. 
and I had a farmer there, and, and, and that farmer, that's mostly farmers and ranchers up there. That's, that is shifting, of course, but, but the economy has been agriculture, and, and I had a farmer that had a, a lot of land, and he had some cattle, but he had a farm, and the interesting thing about that is I said, you know, we want to give to missions. He put a check in the, in, in the offering that day. It's the highest, biggest check that I've received other than I gave. Somebody sent one to the office for me for $10,000, not for me personally, but to go to World Missions. And he gave it to General Missions, but he put a check for $5,000. And what I thought about was that this man understands harvest. He understands you cannot reap a harvest unless you put something in the ground. If you don't sow into the ground, you're not going to get a harvest. And so he sowed, and of course God has blessed him and blessed his work as he does all of us. I, I want to just uh, take a moment and share a few things with you over the next 15 to 20 minutes. And then we'll go in. I'm going to try to have you out somewhere in the neighborhood of 1230 today. And I understand that would be fairly normal. So we want to work on that. So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew 28. And also, I want you to, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read a verse out of, uh, out of Matthew 16. But I want you to stand with me for the reading of this word. Matthew 28, and this is known as the, the Great Commission Mandate. In other words, it is what Jesus has given. It is a mandate that he has given to his disciples as he, of course, ascends back into heaven. And we know that he said, if I go, I'm going to come again, right? And I believe Jesus is coming back. And I believe what we do, we need to accelerate our efforts because I believe he's coming soon. But here's what he says in Matthew 28, beginning with verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Father. I pray that you add your blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that today, Father, that you will help us to see the harvest around us and that we will be involved in the local harvest. But God, I pray that you will help us to also pray that, that there will be workers that will go forth into the harvest field and that we will do our part even today. I pray, God, that there may be a young man or a woman or a young person that feel a call to world missions, to be a missionary. We don't hear that much anymore in our churches, but God, you still call men and women just like you call them to the pastoral pulpit and to teaching positions. You call people to be missionaries. And so God, I pray that you will speak to our hearts and that you will make us yielded and open to what the Holy Spirit would want to say to us this day. May we leave here truly saying it has been good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen and amen. You may be seated. 
As I've already mentioned to you, this was the word of the Lord that was given to the disciples that they were to go into all the world. They were to go to every nation. And we know that in Acts, it tells us to begin at home. And then we reach out beyond the home base and we go a little further out and further out until eventually we go into all the world. And Jesus says that when you go, you're to make disciples, you're to make them of all nations and you're to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and that you are to be teachers. Not only do we get people saved, but we disciple them as well. And that led me to think about what discipleship really is. And I know that all of us have probably definitions of what a disciple is, but a simple definition is that a disciple is a learner or a pupil or a person that has decided that they will pattern their life and their lifestyle after the example of the Lord himself and the teachings of the Holy Scripture. But there is a verse of scripture that I have found that serves me well in the journey called discipleship. And that is in Matthew 16. You don't have to turn there, but I'll read it. And verse 24, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. And he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. There are four points of this particular verse. I'm going to focus just on two of them, but I will mention all four. The first point is if anyone desires to come after me. That means that before we can be a true disciple of the Lord, that we've got to desire to be so. You've got to make yourself available for the Lord. You, you are not going to do anything for the Lord unless you make yourself available for what God has for you. And that's the reason I think that you have so many volunteers in this congregation is because there are a lot of people that said, Lord, I don't know what I can do. I don't care how menial the task may look or be. I want to be able to do something for you. And that's really the attitude that God is asking and desiring of every one of us. Not all of us are to be in the pulpit. Not all of us are to lead music or even sing in the choir. I've been told that I should not sing publicly. And so Julia would not want me in the choir. But there are people that are gifted along those lines and they ought to be in the choir. And you find your gifts and you find your talents and you begin to use them. And sometimes you have to be what is known as a gap filler. You just got to go fill in until somebody that's got the gift gets there. And so God just wants us all to come together. But you got to make yourself available. I grew up in, in central Alabama in a little community called Hollins. That's outside of Sulacaga. If you don't know where that's at, that's near Weagufka or Sakapatoi or some of those names. But it's kind of central Alabama, and I grew up in a little tiny Methodist church. I'm the youngest of four children, and, and my mom made sure that we always went to church every Sunday. I never will forget, I... I, I um, 
Easter, y'all just celebrated Easter. Easter was a fun time because we were going to get a new set of clothes, a new pair of pants. Mom might wear a, a dress made out of flower sacks. You have to tell all these young folks what that is. But, but, uh, but she'd get the children a little new set of clothes and we'd go to church. And we were made to go to church and dad was what I termed as a functioning alcoholic. Of course, when I was 14, mother died and suddenly, and, and, and you know, I, that, it was devastating to me. My, the saddest day of my life is when I turned and walked off that hill at the cemetery, leaving my mother's body there to be placed in the ground. When I was 20 years old, I went back to that little church, and, and uh, there was a guest speaker there, and he mentioned my mother, and when he did, the Holy Spirit convicted me, and said to me, you're not living the kind of life that your mother brought you up to live. I wanted to give my heart to Jesus in the service, but you didn't see people do that. So I asked the, the, the speaker if I could come to his house. And that night I went over and he presented what was known as the four spiritual laws to me. And that is that God loves me, has a plan for my life that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that man is separated from God because of sin, but Jesus came, died on the cross, rose from the dead, that man could have right relationship with God the Father and uh, bring salvation, but that we all must individually receive Jesus. And he asked me, did I want to do that? And I said, no, I thought about all I'd have to give up or change. You know, that's one of the biggest lies the enemy uses for all of us is to get us to put it off. Put it off, put it off. But they prayed for me, and afterwards he asked, did I receive the Lord? And I said, yes. And he asked his wife when I left, do you think he got anything? And she said, no. What they didn't know, I drove a mile up the road, and for the first time in my life, I thought, if I die, I will go to heaven. And I thought, if I die, I'll see my mother. I'd never thought about that. I mean, you always hope that you go to heaven. But for some reason, I was assured that. I knew I would go to heaven. And so, so I went home that night. I'd made five gallons of homebrew. You have to tell the young people what that is. But I'd made five gallons of homebrew being a country boy. And I had two cans of beer. And I had become a heavy drinker like my dad. And I poured all the alcohol down the drain. And I've never had another drop from that day to this day. Just a little background. Well, you know what? Can we just do this? Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Can we do that? Father, if there be one person that the Holy Spirit is speaking to right now about their life, maybe, maybe they're not here by accident today, or maybe they've been attending for some time, but they've wanted to make that decision. They want to go to heaven. They want to have the assurance, but it's just been hard. Today, make it easy for them. Speak to their spirit, to their heart. If you're here today, and, and we're not going to give an invitation, I want to finish my message, but if you're here today and you want me just to breathe a prayer for you that God would help you so that you would be assured of salvation, whether it's rededication or first-time commitment, let me just see your hand real quick. Anybody? Anybody? Anyone at all? All right, yes, anybody else? While the Holy Spirit's moving. God, yes, all right. Anybody else? We have a couple of wonderful people that are doing that. Now, church, let's just pray for them. Father, reveal your love to them. 
let them see somebody afterwards and tell them about their, their, their commitment today to you. And we give glory to you for it. Now save them and give them assurance and help them every day to live for you in Jesus' name. Can we give God praise for that? Two people gave their heart to the Lord at least. Amen. But in understanding a little bit about me, I was very shy and backwards. And, and I remember that my senior year in school, and because of mother's death, I had no parental guidance. And so, so I, didn't, I wasn't made to go to school. I wasn't made to study. I mean, I, I'm surprised I even got through school, let alone went on to college. But anyway, uh, uh, my senior year, we had to memorize something from Shakespeare, and we were to get up and recite it in front of the whole class. Well, I was so backwards and shy that I refused to do so. And the teacher and I went round and round until finally she let me sit by her desk like a grammar school student and recite what I had memorized. Because I had worked, I had memorized it, but there was no way I could get in front of people and do that. And so I was able to get a passing grade. I get saved, I'm 20 years old. Uh, I'm saved in February. In March, we're doing a youth uh, service in the park in Sylacauga, Alabama. And I'm the moderate, and, and I was sick literally for three days prior to that. I was sick at my stomach. I had the stomach cramps. It wasn't a virus. It was nerves. Thinking about I have to get up in front of people. And, and so I finally get up. The day comes, and I get up, and I say something to announce the singer. And the gentleman in charge is the one who led me to Christ, and now he's discipling me. And he said, Tommy, can't you do a little better than that? And I got mad. I got angry. And I said, I'm doing the best I can. And he backed off. He said, okay, okay. He knew when to push, but he knew when to back off. And so I got through that. And, and so now we've come to about June, and I'm in the National Guards, and I'm at Fort Lee, Virginia for two weeks National Guard summer camp. And, and I've got CQ duty, and after we kind of close the office, I go to the back room and lay down on the bunk, and I can see myself speaking in this little tiny white-framed church, Church of God, in Alabama, and, and it just keeps coming in and out of my mind till finally I get up and I kneel down beside my bunk and I pray and I said, God, I don't know what you're trying to say to me, but if you want me to try, I always leave myself a little wiggle room. And I said, if you want me to try, I said, have me to, to uh, uh, have the, 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 the pastor to ask me to take a Wednesday night service sometime. I got home that weekend. I was having dinner with he and his wife. And he said, Tommy, last week we had a young man, man take the service. Said, uh, just wondered if you'd like it this Wednesday night. My first thought is absolutely not. But I remembered what I just prayed. And so what I did is I prepared my sermon on a three-by-five note card. Again, you older ones, you're going to have to tell the young folks what a note card is. But I put my message on that three-by-five note card, and it was the four spiritual laws, what had led me to Christ. I got up, and for seven minutes from start to finish, that was my sermon. Two sisters gave their heart to the Lord. They're still serving the Lord today. That was kind of, the, I guess, the affirmation on my ministry. And some of the people there said, Tommy said, you had your hands running in and out of your pockets so much, we thought you were going to push your pants all the way down to the floor. And that was my journey. 
My third sermon was so, so bad that I said, I'll never embarrass a pastor or a congregation or the Lord or myself again. And this gentleman just kept on at me until finally after about two or three months, he had me again to get in the pulpit. The point I want to make is, is that, that I think so many of us, in fact, none of us ever live up to our full potential. Because of fear and, and because of, of past failures and other things, we just, we just are afraid. But you know what? The first thing God is asking, he's not asking you to already have the ability intact to do it. He just wants you to be available to do whatever it is that he would ask you to do. And so I'm asking, amen, give God praise, amen. I'm asking God today to speak to some of us that we will be willing to get out of the comfort zone and say, God, I don't know how I'll do it. I don't know how to go about it, but I am making myself available to do whatever it is that you want of me. Amen. Amen. The second point of this journey of discipleship is, is Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So desiring to come after the Lord, making yourself available, then denying oneself. The, the word that I'd like to use there is called expendability, and to expend means to use or to use up. And, and God sometimes wants to use us in greater measure than what we would ever think we could be used. In fact, more times than not, that is the case. And, and God wants us to be willing to sacrifice. We live in a society, we live in a culture in America where that, that we do everything humanly possible to avoid stress and strain and discomfort. Anything that really demands a lot of us, we try to, in fact, we pop pills just to, just to avoid feeling bad. We go to great extremes of always wanting to feel good. But it's during those times of difficulty and struggle and trial, more times than not, that that's when God really is doing something in our life and he speaks to us and he says something to us and it will require us oftentimes giving up something or sacrificing something as it, come to world, as it comes to world missions. And, and let me just say this, that, that what you see and what I'm trying to convey is that there are a lot of people in the world that have sacrificed greatly for this gospel. The disciples gave their life. Tradition tells us that every one of them died a martyr's death except John who died on the Isle of Patmos. And I guess you could say he died a martyr's death too. But, but, but you can see that people have given their, their, their very lives in order that you and I could have this gospel. And today around the world, people are giving their life. Martyrdom is at the highest level it's ever been in the history of the church right now in, in the world. And we've seen the bombings of the churches and of the Christians and in Asia and what, what is happening. And, and the Bible does declare to us that all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. We have been so blessed in this nation, but I can assure you that in other nations they have not been so blessed. Just to mention the name of Jesus could mean sure death. 
And so God is saying, though, will you, are you willing to sacrifice something that others may hear the gospel and know what you know? I'll tell this story, and then we'll, we'll wind this thing up. There's, a, there's this missionary in South Korea, and he ministered up in the mountains villages, and he went to the airport one day to pick up a group of, of people who had been supporting their ministry and loaded them on a van and started back up the mountainside to the villages and pulled off on the side of the, one of the mountains. And below was these fertile, this fertile valley and people were planting their fields. It was, it was planting time. And there was one or two of the fields that had a piece of machinery, a tractor or something plowing the field. But most of the fields were small and they were being plowed by mules. But there was this one field in particular that there were two men and one of the men was behind the plow and the other man was in front of the plow and he was harnessed in and he was pulling with all of his might so that the plow would turn the soil. And the man behind was pushing and helping and guiding. And when they got to the end of the row, the man that was in the harness went to the rear of the plow. The man behind the plow went and put himself in the harness and they started back down the row again. And they were plowing their field and some of the people from the states couldn't believe that, that there would be such human toil to be able to prepare ground for harvest. And so the missionary then spoke up and he told him, he said, I, I didn't know that we would see this today, but said, let me tell you a story about those two men that are plowing the field without the aid of, a, of an animal or a machinery. He said, it was just over a week ago that we had a special service and the church, the little tiny church was packed full of worshipers and we gave the invitation that people would come and they would put in the offering and they would give sacrificially and they would pray uh, that God would do a great work for their neighboring villages and for their families that, that, that they would be saved and said, said, I, we noticed that, that all these people were praying except for two men and said they were in the back of the church and they were in intense conversation and said finally the two came down to the front and said tears were streaming down their, their cheeks and falling to the floor and, and they spoke and they said, sir, said, said we're just poor farmers, said we don't, we don't have anything that we can really give but said we do have a mule. And we've decided that we will sell that mule and we will give the money in order that we can carry this gospel to our neighbors and they can know Jesus too. And said, who you saw in that field was that father and son that gave that day and said, because of their one act of obedience of sacrifice, already over a hundred people have given their heart to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Give God praise in the house. Hallelujah. 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 And so that leads me to, to how I want to conclude today. And that is this. I heard, I heard a speaker at our General Assembly and our World Missions Banquet say, and it touched my heart. 
He said, you know, not everybody can be a missionary. Not everybody can go. But he read this passage of Scripture out of Romans chapter 10. And I begin, and you don't have to turn there, but in verse 14, how then shall they call on him to whom they shall have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And what I have come to learn about world missions is this. We are the senders. We cannot all go. God doesn't expect all of us to go. He doesn't expect us to negate our responsibilities to our own families, to our own communities, our own congregation. That's why you ought to pay your tithe here, not give it to world missions. But at the same time, he expects us from time to time to hear the call and the cries around the world. Today, Church of God World Missions is what it is today because of a man and woman, retired missionary, who went back on the field and went to the Bahamas. And now we're in 185 countries. So what I will be doing today is asking you to be a sender. If God were to speak to somebody about being a missionary, there's a process, and we could, we could try to help walk you through that. But you have to really weigh that. And accept that if God is calling you to it, he'll make it happen and it'll come to pass if you're willing to stay true to it. But since most of us, if any of us, will be missionaries, we become the senders. With the projects that we have in the world, it's overwhelming. You'll see, if you go by our table, you'll see Send the Light. That's our banner. We're raising money for 13 cities right now, and we're going into those major cities, you know, where there's multi-millions of people in the cities, and we are building churches and congregations and training centers primarily to send workers out into those countries. And we're, we, we have been quite successful at doing that. And so that's one of our emphasis, send the light to the cities right now. Kathy's doing a little project that's called This Little Light of Mine, and, and that is where you start in, in Sunday school and children's church, and you children giving to children. And there are such things as a goat farm. I think that's in India. And you can buy a goat. I don't know the difference in goats. A milk goat's $100, and the other one's 50 but... You can buy a goat, and children do that. They pool their resources, and they buy goats in order that, that people there will be able to have cheese and milk. And, 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 you know, goat is a delicacy in many countries, too, a source of protein and meat. I don't know what it's, but, but you can buy blankets, or, or, or you, can, you can provide 
purified water. I mean, there are all sorts of things for, for this little light of mine. And Kathy's making great headway in that uh, with, with children. So, so there are all types of things, the educational things, the orphanages, the, the uh, churches, what you have been doing in Honduras, is it, Brother Johnny? And I commend you for what you're doing. This, this church is, I mean, it is phenomenal what you have been able to help this church to do. And, and so what you're doing in Honduras and building these churches, I mean, it, it's, it's just, you're already doing it. I'm just coming along and saying, let's continue what we're doing. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.